is in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. With all the copyright infringement in our opening titles, mm. I think today is probably the day we're going to get caught. <laughs> Why's that? Um, well, I mean, we're, we're going to be speaking about a world-famous movie franchise, aren't we? Oh, yeah, probably. This is the day. Yeah. I'm wondering, uh, uh, were they an Orion Features production? Because if they were, we might be safe. A lot of their records might have gone out when they went bust. Oh, okay. Oh, so what are you saying? We should, we're going to replace everything with Orion <laughs> Film Productions? <laughs> Robocop oh. quotes, here we come. Oh, my. Actually, I'm not. I'm okay with that. Yeah. No, that'd be fine. Um, yeah. Oh, my Lord. <gasps> you and I, we've been, we were talking about it today. We're talking about we're going to do our first ever live show yes. earlier on the year. You know what? Oh, my God. If anybody is out there and they are artistically inclined, feel free to send us, like, your designs. We're, we're trying to come up with a great design for a... Uh, for a live show poster. For, for a live show poster. So if you've got any ideas, yeah, feel free to send them to us at... What's your D-Dad? I don't know. Well, Instagram at the John Brooks. There's no H in John. Yeah, that's right, you weirdo. Or at the Gabin in the Woods. Yeah, well, they're going to know the Gabin in the Woods one. So, what's yeah. that? At Gabin in the Woods? Sure. Fuck's sake. <laughs> we are terrible. What? I just, go, I just go to Instagram and it just pops up. Yeah, so you just just look for us on Instagram, Gavin, it's in, Gavin the Woods. in the Woods. If you know, give us a give us a five star review on Spotify and Good Pods, wherever you're listening. Yeah, do all that stuff. Look for the Instagram account with about nine thousand porn bot followers. <laughs> That's us. We didn't pay from though, which is good. <laughs> No, that's not true. Oh, I think, although looking at it, we have 2.2 are from Nigeria. So I think 2.2% of our followers <laughs> are porn bots. Are you saying Nigerians don't like poorly researched pop culture horror stories? <laughs> they um, it, And ironically, they might be our only like true core audience. They might be. Yeah. No, that's not true. The people who reach out to us, we have the most awesome people who reach out to us except of course for that 2.2 who keep <laughs> wanting us to help them get back into their instagram account <laughs> yeah i just need you to click on this link yeah it'd be great oh please help me out cry face oh my god you should be able to tick some link and be like look i know what you're doing yeah don't send these scams to me anymore because i get so excited when it's like you have a message yeah. and i'm like somebody loves us <laughs> And it's literally, can you help me get into my into my Instagram? No, fuck off. <laughs> when we finally do get a legitimate message, like, hey, this is so-and-so studios. Do you want to work on the new, you know, promoting the new What's What film? Oh, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Unlock your own Instagram account, dickhead. <laughs> Rob Zombie crying on the other end. What did I do? Yeah, more. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, there's some Nigerian prince sitting around with his $2 billion. He's trying to give it to us. <laughs> He's trying to fund the podcast, but we just won't take it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's depressing. You know what I always found so funny about those Nigerian scams trying to give away their millions? Mm. It's like, do you think the World Bank left any money in Africa? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Actually, at, um, at my day job, we got an interesting one in our inbox. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> we got one and it was basically like... 
Good day, sir. I am a Russian oligarch. <laughs> and now that sanctions are being imposed on the West, I am looking to move my $2 billion out of Russia and hide it from the sanctions. Would you like to help me for a percentage? Can I park my super yacht in your driveway? <laughs> Just down on the Murray. This is one billion dollars <laughs> but it's on so many levels it's like a do i want to commit a crime yeah. no do i want to help like no 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 a russian do i want to become a traitor to my country and all my liberty no although you might get to meet donald trump uh no <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants that they do not mm. no have you seen the the furor that's is it furor or furore i'm not too sure Mm. About the uh, the new cast of the rebooted Adams Family. Oh, okay. Is there a rebooted? So there's a reboot of the Adams Family going on, and they've they've stuck true to the original comic book with the way they've cast them. Because in the past, you know, they've always had uh, Gomez Adams as being like this kind of tall, suave, Raúl Julia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this time they've uh, cast Louise Guzman. Oh, is this for the? As we hear my son trotting around. Is- <laughs> You're good. Is this for the Tim Burton Wednesday production? I think it might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, he really does look like the original. Yeah. Yeah. And all these people jumping up and down about, oh, you've ruined it by casting. Number one, his name's Gomez Adams. Of course they're going to cast a Spanish cast member. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but all these people jumping up and down. Oh, you know, it doesn't portray the true relationship between um, Morticia and, like, mm-hmm. you know, because surely Morticia wouldn't be that blinded by love and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I just want to say to these people, like, do you understand how showbiz works? Yeah. Do you have any idea how many backs Louise Guzman would have put on mattresses over the years? Yeah. Just for being in Boogie Nights and for being in Carlito's Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. He's you know, he's a legit actor, he's hilarious mm. and he's rich. Yeah. yeah. Well and not only that, like have you never been to Italy? It is literally supermodels with the oldest, wrinkliest <laughs> men on the face of the earth. That's just Italy, man. Yeah. That's just <laughs> That's where they that's where the Russian oligarchs are hiding their money. <laughs> Fashion week. You know what it is? It's because everybody's having like their porn fantasies. Like they want to picture like, you know, like, oh, if I was going to do a three-way, three way, yeah. it would be like with Raul and like Angelica Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's. Nobody knows the reality where you're actually, what, what's the equivalent of a high five with your nuts? <laughs> you're doing that with a guy from accounts and your guts touch before that happens. It really is. It's like the, it's like the porn rendition. Like if he isn't the Ron Jeremy like looking oh. fellow of Oh, Ron Jeremy. Is he still in jail? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, he was for a while. Look, if he's been acquitted, good on him, but No, he wasn't. Oh. He wasn't. What was he acquitted? Oh my god. <laughs> no. That that is male entitlement right there. The fact that that guy could still work in porn oh. despite looking like he was one of the fucking monsters from um, Kevin Smith's biblical epic. Oh, what was that one? Oh fuck, what was it called? I can't remember the one about um uh, the, the Alanis Morissette was God. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I wasn't a fan of it. I wasn't a fan of it either because it turns out that Kevin Smith is a crazy Catholic. But <laughs> yeah, it was there was a shit monster in there. That I was just like, yeah. That, 
Yes, there's the Hollywood representation. Looks a little bit like Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Well, you know what? Speaking of, you know, horrid, creepy representations that will haunt your nightmares, that's so weird. That brings us to this topic of the week, would you believe? What's that? Oh, my God. Well, this week we are going to look back at one of the greatest classics ever. The film Alien. Life-changing. Oh, my Lord. Pant-shitting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember as a small child, my sister brought a a copy of, like, the Alien movie home. Yeah. And even just from the cover, I shat my pants. Yeah. And, like, we're "We're not putting that on! (laughs) Because they were, like, babysitting and threw a tantrum. Ah! I was so freaked out just by, like, the cover. Yeah. Like an egg. I I remember seeing... So... You grew up in within the same reach. We had the same TV network as kids. Yeah. So you you would have had a BK. So for anyone else outside of our lounge room, yeah, we grew up in the towns of Port Perry and Broken Hill. Yeah. Which was serviced by a small TV network called yep. GDS BKN. Yeah. They were an affiliate of the large networks, but they also did their own programming. Yeah. And I remember they used to have two movies on on a Friday night. Yeah. That have the primetime movie at eight thirty, and then the late night movie at ten uh, fifty. Yeah. The late night movie was usually just trash. Yeah. Just total bullshit. Yeah. Like stuff you'd never watch. One night it was Alien. Yeah. And I remember being maybe 10 years old. Yeah. And we didn't get to watch cool films as kids. Yeah. And I remember my dad like going, you're watching this with me. I was like, Holy what? shit. What? He Who goes, does that to a 10 year old? Oh my <laughs> well, God. a Vietnam veteran. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> but I remember, him, I remember him going, you are watching this with me. Me and my brother, who's two years older than me, yeah. sitting up watching our tiny little JVC color television with the yeah. old clunky dials and oh. all that sort of stuff, shitting myself until one in the morning. Yeah. And then they're going, thanks, dad. Well, you know what? God, speaking of a different age, like researching this, because obviously I, you know, I was you know like reading, watching books, and I went back and I was watching like the old like um, the TV spots yeah. that were aired in the seventies. They're creepy as shit. Yeah, right. I'm a grown ass adult. I've seen the movie. I know what happens. Just watching the TV spots, and I just I was just it was like midnight. Yeah, and I'm just like watching them, and I'm like. These are hell scary. Like it's just you know that you know it just it's the alien. There's just the egg, and they've just got this noise going in the background, and an egg cracks. Shat my pants. <laughs> you should, oh my god! Little footnote. You know those those like the, the if you if you have seen the TV spots, we should put some links up. Yeah. Where you know you see that little shape of like the egg. There is a chicken egg. Is it really? Yeah. Ah. Oh. Well, what else are they going to use, really? <laughs> I don't know. Special effects, production, a fake egg. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, now, basically, it's considered one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. Absolutely. No one could ever argue that. But did you know, we're going to find out, it almost didn't reach its soul-clenching potential. Everything... From a lack of finance to rejection by actors right. who didn't want to be in it and a push for an alien with a massive boner. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hang on. Was H.I. Geiger involved at this point or was this someone else? Someone else is just the Ev- guy that made Alf. It's just like, 
<laughs> you know what we need? <laughs> Protuberance. <laughs> no, this wasn't even a. This wasn't even Geiger inspired. Wow. Other people other than Geiger were. <laughs> Okay, not for the whole movie. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like turkey slapping John Hurt in the face. (laughs) (laughs) But for a a section in the movie, we will get to it, where um, somebody wanted a massive alien boner. (laughs) I reckon that 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 idea probably got kicked around Hollywood for the next 10 years, and then a watered-down version of it ended up in Cocoon. (laughs) Wilford Brimley gets a Wilford Brimley gets a boner. There we go. Yeah, that's yeah. that's oh, where it eventually ended up. Oh, oh I don't know what's worse. Oh. <laughs> that, oh. Big old moustache tickling you. Oh, oh. oh. oh my god! <laughs> and it oh. reached both your thighs. That moustache. Oh, I think I just shat my pants again. Oh no! <laughs> don't worry, that moustache will sweep it away. <laughs> will. Oh lord! Look, this week we delve into some dark space. In because in let me try that again. Well done. <laughs> We're doing well. This is what we get for recording during the day sober. Oh my god! This week we delve into the darkness because in space no one can hear you scream. Nobody here wants to see your dick, mate. <laughs> or is that an alien bone in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? But I'm boom. Getting blown in the airlock. Oy, oy. Oh my god, I forgot to check if there's an alien porn. Of course there is. Of course there is, yeah. Of course there is. Yeah, people are weird. Oh, you know what? You know what's weird? Actually, no, I have seen it. it. And it's not like the people of Alien get it on. So it's not like Ripley and Dallas getting it on. It's like... Xenomorphs. Yeah. Of course it is. And facehuggers. Yeah, of course it is. Keep it in your species, people. Or at least fictional ones. <laughs> Fictional ones are much better. No, no, fictional does not make it okay. There's a great if you want a window into the nightmare universe of porn out there. No, there is a no. That, it's a very innocent account on Twitter called No Context Porn. Uh huh. And it just plays like the the setups. Yeah. For various some of the shit I have seen on there, <laughs> like there is Sonic the Hedgehog porn. Oh, oh. Yeah. But it's perfectly innocent, totally safe for work. You can you can look at this and laugh, but it is a nightmare window into what people will fap to. Yeah, no, you should not be fapping to a hedgehog, you blue or not. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just, no. We've said it before. Keep it in your species, people, even in space. <laughs> There's someone currently getting rid of all the hedgehogs they've got in their <laughs> freezer. Oh, I thought I could get away with it if they were blue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh is it still a crime if it's blue? <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, maybe discuss it with a lawyer. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. It's not okay. No. Oh, my God. Oh, can you imagine how excited that guy would have been when Avatar came out? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, fuck my horse like they do. <laughs> they do not. Oh, they anyway, do fuck not. their There's horses. no horse fucking in James Cameron films. They fuck their horses in they the They do hair. not fuck their they horses. Do. They do not. They connect emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, well, that's what most people will tell feminists they want to bed. I'm just going to put you outside. <laughs> put you out, getting collected with the rest of the rubbish. <laughs> I'm looking forward to when we finally do that live show and my repugnant comments get met in real time. Oh, my God. Because I, re- I don't know what the reactions are to them. You know what? If someone lights a torch and they rush you on stage. Like someone rushed him. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm just saying, you know, as, you do you. You do you, ladies. You do you. Oh, my God. Now, originally, no studio wanted to make Alien. It got passed around Hollywood. It got passed around studio to studio. Everyone passed on it. Because we are now, when, when was Alien made? 78? Mm-hmm. Back in the 70s. 77, 78. We are in the post-Star Wars universe. Yeah. Where people think space... There's two schools of thought in Hollywood at this time that it's got to be fucking space! Yeah. Or space is played out. Yeah. And some of the movies that got made from the fuck space crowd are amazing. Yeah. Some of them are terrible. Well, actually, one of the... Uh, one of the reasons that Alien eventually got made was because of Star Wars. It was basically just because this, the the tills were still ringing. With yeah. The cha-ching, ching, cha-ching, ching, cha-ching, ching, ching, ching. Yeah. Um, but as we're going to find out, it also heavily influenced what happened with the ending, with the uh, the end product of Alien. Okay. It got changed very much. Yeah. Um, basically, every everyone uh, passed on it, including. 20th Century Fox. Right. Get that shit out of here. The only one interested was Roger Corman. Really? B-grade, you know, well, Z-grade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but a legend. Yeah. But, you know, would famously, you know, make movies for like $20,000 and yeah. be like, here's our feature film. Yeah. So he was actually so excited about Alien as it was and wanted to actually uh, – create Alien, the film. Yeah. And so Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shushet. Uh, I'm never sure. Shushet. Shushet. I can never pronounce Shushet. Yeah. Shushet. <laughs> Sounds like a drag queen. Shushet. <laughs> Ronald Shushet. Shushet. Um, drag name would be Xenomorph. <laughs> um, they were, so they were basically ready to sign to Roger Corman. Right. Because everyone else had rejected it. And yeah. they were like, oh, I guess it's better that we make a few dollars than no dollars. Yeah. Um, but at the last minute, Walter Hill, who had just started Brandywine Productions with David Geiler, yeah. actually went, this wouldn't be too bad with some tweaking. So they actually came on at the last board and went, you know what? We'd actually like to sign this and pipped Roger Corman at the last, wow. like in the, like the 12th hour. Right. Um, now what had happened is uh, Hill and Guyler, when they started Brandywine Productions, they basically, they made one of those productions, uh, those deals with 20th Century. Yeah. And you're probably going to know Walter Hill from the Warriors. I do, yeah. Yeah. So they had a deal... Basically, 20th century let them have an office on the lot, on the 20th century lot. So set them up, you know, he's, you know, your secretary, here are your studios, basically on the condition that they would get first dibs yes. on anything that they were going to uh, produce. So Walter Hill took the film back to 20th century and after he had made some like tweaks to it and 20th century agreed to make the film on the cons- on the condition that the blood and horror was toned down considerably right yeah because they were like no nah, too much too much well they're thinking action figures they're thinking families in cinemas they want that star wars yeah coin. they want that star wars money so yeah. it's like can you make alien but make it more star warsy yeah have you got a bin that talks <laughs> that would be great we could really get that that would be great yeah just, just as a side note for anyone out there who hasn't done this, get hold of the original 
George Lucas screenplay for Star Wars. Yeah. Where R2 fucking talked. Oh, <gasps> really? He was a wisecracking bin. Oh. It was so bad. Like 80s level cliched sort of like, well, I've fallen and I can't get up. That kind of shit. (laughs) And people smarter than him went, just make it go bleep, bloop, bleep. Bleep, 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 bleep. Oh my God, because that bleep, 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 like made my childhood. Absolutely. Finally, someone who speaks my language. Bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah. But no, no, no. He was a wisecracking sidekick bin. Oh. (laughs) So bad. He slaps his own sister in the first act. What? Yeah, yeah, he like fully fucking lays one on Leia's chops. Yeah, it's it's a very different film. Wow, okay, I'm definitely going to have to look that yeah, up. Kathleen Kennedy, is it Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking saved him. Oh. Saved my. him. Oh my God. Well, that's so weird because that's a lot by what Hill and Guiler did on this production. They did a lot of saving. <laughs> oh no. Now... When they came on board as producers, one of the first things they did was they set about changing elements of the script. Right. Okay. Now, some things were very simple but make a huge difference. Originally, the ship was called the Snark. The Snark? The Snark. Oh, no. Nobody. I'm the last survivor of the Snark. (laughs) (laughs) No. So it got changed to Leviathan. Oh, that's even worse. I know, so pretentious. It's so bad. Yeah. And then thankfully it got changed to the Nostromo. That's much better. So much better. Because that sounds like a shitty Cypriot registered freighter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) just as awful were the names of the characters. Oh, God. There was no Dallas, Ripley, Kane, Lambert, Parker and Brett. Yeah. You know what the original names were? Oh, God. Are these going to have Steven Seagal kind of names? <laughs> I'll wait for it. McTaggart. Wait for it. The first one, his last name, was Standard. Standard? Standard. Okay. Robbie. Yeah. Brosard. Brosard? Melconis. Oh, my God. Hunter. Oh, and Faust. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. No. You just say everything that he says, Faust. Oh, right. God. Uh, Let me guess. Faust was the fucking, the bloody android? No. No? Because the other thing that Hill and Guyler did was to introduce the character of Ash... And make him a synthetic. There you go. Because originally, uh, a lot of the, what was, you know, the dialogue that was said by Ash, originally the... Was a talking bin. No, Mother, the computer, was like, was talking and was more sentient. Um, So, because you know now, it's just, you know, they're always like, oh, Mother, and they're asking it questions. Now, in the original film, it would talk back. Oh, like kind of a bad Logan's run. Yeah. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, so no, they decided to make a, a character and yeah, made him a robot. That's so much better having like the the actual mother computer in the ship being like basically dumb. It's like the yeah. machine that runs shit. Yeah. And yeah, that's so much good to put in but gooder. <laughs> Fuck me dead. Yeah, and then because it was originally it was all this stuff like when Ripley finally gets access to the mother, she's like, what the hell is going on? And the computer was like, oh, you know, it was like an impartial test. I just wanted to see who'd do better, you or the alien. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they got rid of that idea because yeah. they were like, that is dumb. That is dumb. <laughs> now, what I find really interesting is when 
Dan O'Bannon wrote the script. He made it clear, it was actually written down, that no roles or characters were gender-specific. That's cool. And that they could be played by any gender. So it, it doesn't matter. And so it was. it's written that way, that it's just one human being talking to another. Yeah. Which I think is one of the reasons it works so well. Yeah. You know, they're not like, ooh, it's a lady. She should be like, ooh, toward the lock, sir. <laughs> um, Zero gravity boobs. <laughs> so there was none of that. Okay. And Hill and Guyler continued this train of thought. Although um, O'Bannon um, later stated that it never occurred to him that they'd act, the studio would actually cast Ripley as a woman. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so in their mind, when they when they wrote it, they were like, oh, the studio will totally get a man to be this like yeah. leading person. Now, originally Dan O'Bannon intended to direct the movie because he's like, I worked on Dark Star, like I studied directing, this is going to be my time to shine. Now, Dark Star was a big influence on him as to why he wrote this, wasn't it? Well, with John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was something that he had been sort of um, working on. Um, and what happened was he actually went to Europe yeah. uh, because a director had hired him because they were actually going to turn Dune into a movie. This was one of those like failed times uh. when Dune decided to like did not get off the, the yeah. mark. But it's really – that's also really important because while he was there on the production, Geiger was the one who was hired – Yodorowsky's June. Yes. Yeah. To, you know, do like the set design. So that's how Bannon met Geiger. Wow. And then what brought him in on Alien. So basically it got shut down after like six months. It didn't happen. So uh, O'Bannon was like, oh, shit. So I he had sold up everything to go to Europe because this was going to be his big, you know, moment. Yeah. So he came back basically uh, penniless um, and slept on... Um, <laughs> um, slept on his friend's couch yeah. because he didn't have any money. Um, and basically half of what he had, you know, was in storage or it was in Europe. So he actually slept on Shushet's couch. Wow. Um, and he was just like really depressed for a while. And Shushet was like, no, nah, come on, like, yeah, get back into it. And so O'Bannon actually ended up combining a couple of scripts that he was working on yeah and so then the two of them started like you know working together and there you go and that's how the script happened so yeah um so but yeah so O'Bannon wanted to direct the movie yeah studio shut that down immediately yeah no chance yeah so they were considering five different directors now just picture how different this movie could have been okay take a guess who the hands down front runner was and was again all but signed Coppola. Robert Aldrich, who is probably, I guess, his most famous movie would be The Dirty Dozen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which, oh, God, I love The Dirty Dozen. It's amazing. I love it. Oh, my God. He basically had the job but ended up talking himself out of it. Right. Um, because what happened is uh, a meeting was organised uh, but with the producers, with Aldrich, and they asked him basically, you know, what designs he had been thinking of for the face hugger. Yes. Uh, David Guiler claims that Aldrich just pretty much just shugged off the question and responded with, "We'll put some, we'll put some entrails on the guy's face. It's not as if anyone's going to remember that critter once they've left the theater." 
<laughs> Famous last words. Here we go. At that moment, they decided, you know what? He's not the man for this job. Not the guy. No. No. So they're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Because he really was like our, you know, our number one. So they ended up, ended up with the guy who was fifth on their list, Ridley Scott. You know, just before we get to Ridley, mm. you know who I think could have made a really good director mm. from that kind of era? Mm. would have been Peter Yates, who directed Bullet with Steve McQueen. He's got a super stylish kind of got like proto Guy Ritchie feel about him. Okay. He could okay. have done I reckon he could have done it. Okay. Could have been interesting. Well, yeah. I'll let you have that one. Slow burn machismo. None of the, you know, exploding punch sounds that you would have got with uh, <laughs> the dirty dozen. <laughs> now, casting is everything with this movie. Yeah, fucking hell. That's the other reason this room this is such a classic. Everyone give such an amazing performance because they have some of the most talented actors in this film. Tom Skerritt was the first one that they approached and obviously offered the role of Captain Dallas, but he turned it down. Okay. Said it was a piece of shit. Wow. Now, this was before all the rewrites. Oh, okay, yeah. So he saw it in the very beginning and was like, nah, get that piece of trash away from me. (laughs) And he also was like, this was back when they were like they were thinking maybe it would go to Corbett, and he's like, "No, I don't get out of bed for the like hundred dollars you're going to pay me." Yeah. Now others were approached for the role. This is my favorite bit where I want you to try and picture <sighs> these actors. Okay, guess who they approached after Tom Skerritt, and it's who they always approach. Apparently, oh fuck, please, it's <laughs> oh, it's not that grumpy bastard. What's his name? Oh. Point Break. No, what's his name? Fuck, I'm having a stroke. Patrick Patrick Swayze. Not Patrick Swayze, the the old the gruff old bastard. What's his name? Fuck. <laughs> his name's not fuck. No, it's a name's not fuck. No, it's not. It's Tommy Lee Jones. What? Tommy Lee Jones. Okay, that's not who I would have picked. They. Tommy Lee Jones. Just picture. Everyone just take a moment to picture. Nick Nolte was who was asking. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. He would have worked. But, but the sounds of it, every time we review a movie, we're like, they offered it to Tommy Lee Jones. And they're all classics. Tommy Jones apparently said no to every classic film in Hollywood. Yeah. And then he turns up in what? The, the first, Under Siege. The first one I remember him in was The Fugitive. Oh, no. First one I remember. Was it Under Siege before that? Maybe. Yeah. That's the, that's the first time... I remember Tommy Lee Jones was under siege. Yeah, apparently Alien, no, under siege, yeah. Because <laughs> he's just like, so she comes out of the cake and we see her tits. <laughs> where do I sign? Yeah, where do I sign? Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe if they had approached him and went, the alien comes out of a cake. <laughs> and it's got a boner. Hey. <laughs> so wait for it. Okay, oh, my God. Not only did Tommy Lee Jones say no. Tommy Lee Jones said no because the only interesting character was the alien. Oh. Ow. That's fuck. Preachy for a man who's been in a Steven Seagal film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, the role of the captain of the Nostromo was also offered to another captain. Harrison Ford? Yes. Really? Yes. Harrison Ford. Can you picture Alien with Harrison Ford? I can't even. I can. Really? Yeah. He would have been great. Oh. I th- I somehow feel the movie would have ended differently. Well, probably. 
He would just scowled at it. He's good. In, he's good in everything. Yeah, but like, how would you explain the Nazis showing up for Harrison Ford to punch in the face? <laughs> which apparently is a condition that he does in every film. He has to punch at least one Nazi. Space Nazis, <laughs> Amish Nazis. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. So, yeah, they offered it to Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, no, not on brand. Right. Uh, the next the next person that they approached was Harry Dean Stanton was brought in to audition for the film. Yeah. For, for Brett, not for the captain. Yeah. Um, and, oh, my God, it just makes me love Harry Dean Stanton so much more. The first words from Harry when he came into the audition. So this is to an audition. Yeah. Where there are people like, can I blow you? Can I blow you to be in this movie? <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton walks in and declares, I don't like science fiction or monster movies. I don't like them. <laughs> Apparently this was like Ridley Scott confirmed everything. He's like, yes, this is who I must have in the movie. Like he is so perfect. The guy who doesn't want to be here. Yeah. He's just like, he is perfect. And it's it, yeah for any like you know trucker in space they don't want to be there. It's That's perfect. true. Yeah. So they managed to convince uh, Harry that the film would be more of a thriller than a monster movie. Yeah. And so he decided to come on board. Good move. Yeah. Um, although, can I say where they? I've seen some of like the uh, you know the scenes that didn't make it. And there's one scene where I'm kind of spewing. There's like extended scenes for when Harry Dean Stanton dies. Right. And there's one scene, I'm actually kind of disappointed it didn't make it just because it's such amazing acting from Harry Dean Stanton. Because basically the alien comes right in and basically its face is right in his face. And you just see its giant claws on either side of his face as it moves in Mm. and harry dean stanton is standing there and originally he starts from like just trying to make some like macho like noises and then as the alien come closer it like he just reverts to a child and is just making these like really scared puppy noises that break your heart and you're just like kudos to harry dean stanton like have they cut that yeah i know well, the bit that follows the special effects, not that good. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the casting director actually found the alien himself in a pub. Okay. Casting director was just at his local. They did film this in the UK. So. Yeah, they filmed it in the UK. <laughs> so he was just down the pub having a pint, lamenting who they were going to get, you know, to, to put in this costume. And a little further along the bar, just a, just a student... Who was studying to be a graphic artist was just standing there having a pint. And again, I'm so sorry, but I can't. Balaji Badero. Okay. He was six foot ten. Jesus. And the casting director noticed he had really long, thin, slender arms. Oh, okay. So he asked the young man if he'd like to be in a movie. That kind of offer in a pub? <laughs> oh, doing casting in the toilets. You want to come in the toilets and be in my movie? Just ask for a business card and agree to meet them at a later date. Yeah. Okay, but just don't knock it on the head because you never know. Um, the, the young man was then sent to Tai Chi and mime classes 
because they wanted to help him create a more slowed down, fluid movement with his ah. body. So there you go, Ty. You want to be an a-, a xenomorph? Do some Tai Chi. There you go. Peter Weller, when he was doing Robocop, yeah. apparently fucking pissed off everyone by getting a French movement coach involved. <laughs> and they learned they learned like all this sort of street theatre stuff and how to yeah. move more like a robot like they thought it would. Yeah. And then they finally got the suit and they put it on. It's like, oh, I can't do any of these movements because the suit's too restrictive. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, fuck, we wasted all this money. <laughs> oh, my God, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's it. Now, just so when you go back and watch Alien, like just, you know, just picture the alien. Just like, oh, can't get you in a box. <laughs> I'm in a box. All oh, this box is here. Oh, no, the wind. Oh. <laughs> my hat blew away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now the studio passionately pursued Yafet Koto. Yep. Um, of course, just after his amazing performance in James Bond's Live and Let Die. So they went after him hard time and managed to secure him. Now, this, oh my God, again, talking about how the film could have been. Yeah. The first choice for Kane was John Hurt. But John Hurt was unavailable because he had already just signed a deal to shoot Zulu Dawn in South Africa. Right. So he wasn't going to be able to do it. Yeah. So instead, they got actor John Finch. So he actually came in, but on the first day of shooting, Finch, who had been covering up that he wasn't feeling too well, <laughs> passed out and was rushed to hospital. Jesus. It turns out that he had severe complications from like diabetes and there was all this oh. stuff that was was going on. Holy shit. So he was in no condition to film. Like he was out. Like he was not coming back. So they basically had to freak out because this is on the first day of him filming on oh set. Oh my god. And they're like what the? What do we do? Who do we get in? Do we get anyone? Like, the, how do they know the script? Like, what do we do? But they got a break. Yeah. Because it turns out John Hurt never got to make Zulu Dawn because when he showed up in South Africa, he was stopped by customs oh, no. and told John Hurt that he was banned from coming into South Africa was banned by the South African government because they said because of his outspoken opinions about apartheid. There you go. Now, it was revealed later because John heard at the time, he's like, well, like, I I haven't had any outspoken (laughs) opinions about apartheid. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm fine with racism. (laughs) He said, he's like, I'm anti-apartheid, but I've never actually, like, you know, been on tours and marches like they're talking about. It turns out that South African government had actually meant to blacklist actor John Heard. <laughs> but there was a miscommunication in South Africa and they thought the other guy was coming. Oh, no. That's funny. <laughs> so he had been denied entry into South Africa and obviously his role was like recast. So John Hurt just came back to England and was performing a play. All right. So Ridley Scott drove over to John Hurt's house and pleaded with him to take on the role. (laughs) He basically spent the entire weekend at John Hurt's house refusing to leave (laughs) until he agreed to play um, Kane in the movie. Um, And John Hurt's like, but I'm in the middle of like a play. (laughs) 
So, you know, basically he fulfilled his play obligations over the weekend, uh, refreshed himself with a script and showed up on Monday having zero sleep. Wow. Because pretty much just trying to have to like relearn the lines of the script and showed up on Monday morning ready to roll, which could be for his scenes why he looks so tired. Yeah. He hasn't slept. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So thank God the incompetence of apartheid South Africa. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't picture the movie without him. No. Yeah. He makes it. Yeah. So, yeah, he he finished his play, um, showed up on Monday. Now, this is so weird. Surprisingly, the role of Ripley was actually the last character to be cast. That's not that surprising, I don't think. What is surprising is originally Veronica Cartwright read for the role of Ripley and Sigourney read for the part of Lambert. Right. Okay, mind blown. Because originally the role of Lambert, she was the original R2-D2. She was supposed to be this like wise cracking, you know, <laughs> the funny one yeah. in the group. Um, so, you know, Sigourney was like, oh, wow, that, that's, that's like a much, that's a really interesting character. So Veronica Cartwright, however, was cast as Lambert, but no one told her that. Oh. Veronica showed up at the first costume tests thinking that she was there to play Ripley. Fuck. But was informed that she was, in fact, playing Lambert. Oh, dear. How awkward. That's poor form. How awkward. Oh, my God. Maybe that's just why her character is the way that she is. It's just that awkwardness. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, when it came to the role of Ripley... Uh, so another famous British. Uh, there was a British, famous British actress who read for it, Helen Mirren. That would have been amazing. Can you imagine Helen? I love Helen Mirren. Yeah. Yeah. So she she came and read for the role, but ultimately it actually came down to two women for the role of Warrant Officer Ellen Ripley, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. And it's actually it's actually an American actress, you know. What? what oh. Who do you think? Who do you think they're like? Mm, Sigourney Weaver and from that era, yeah, Kirsty Alley, Meryl Streep. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, like, they were still making this decision. Like, the, the sets had already been built, and part of their audition, like, was actually on set. Sigourney actually did some auditions on set. Now, <laughs> the rumor is that Ridley Scott was unsure. So he got all of the women in the production office into a room and showed them the audition reels and asked for their opinion on who they preferred. How inclusive. (laughs) And the women unanimously voted for Sigourney. There you go. So he cast, well, once the tea lady said it. Yeah. (laughs) Because Sigourney was a relative unknown at that point, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So... Ridley Scott presented his detailed storyboards to 20th Century Fox. Okay, now that there was the new script, it's all been rewritten, we've cast it. And he presented these extremely detailed storyboards to 20th Century Fox, where he pretty much just storyboarded the whole film. Yeah. On the strength of the storyboards and the script rewrites, 
<laughs> and one, again, you can only imagine from the cash register sound of Star Wars ringing in their ears. The studio decided, and this never happens, the studio decided to actually double the budget Jesus. for Alien. It's amazing. They doubled the budget from 4.2 to 8.4 million dollars. That's chicken feed. <laughs> but it's still doubling. Yeah, that is, yeah. <laughs> because basically, yeah, he was just showing them with the storyboards, like, this is what we can get. This is the grandeur. If you want that Star Wars grandeur, you've got to give us the money. Yeah. And they went, okay, these storyboards, it looks like you've actually got a plan. Yeah. So they doubled the budget. Now that the budget was doubled, Tom Skirrett decided that he was now on board. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. What really trips me out is in an interview, uh, Ridley Scott was asked um, what movies influenced Alien, you know, for him. Yeah. What what guided him. What do you think of the three films that he influenced Alien? Oh, God. Is he going to pull some pretentious shit out of his ass? Night of the Hunter and fucking, I don't know, A Few Dollars More and I don't fucking know, Citizen Kane. Star Wars. Okay. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Cool. And The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Fuck, all right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now, oh my God. This is... Okay, we've all seen the art of H.R. Geiger. Yeah. Like, bless him, that man had a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he very much did. He had very many problems. Oh my God. (sighs) When he originally went to send in the face designs for the face hugger... Yeah. And pictures of the aliens and the face hugger on John Hurt. Um, the designs whoo, were actually seized and held by US customs <laughs> because they were so highly alarmed by the pictures. And they were wondering, is this like is this like some kind of contraption a psychopath is gonna build? Is this something he's done to someone or he's going to do to someone? Dan O'Bannon was actually forced to travel to Los Angeles International Airport where he had to meet with US customs to convince them and show the evidence that they were simply designs for a horror movie. Wow. And that neither he nor Geiger were persons of interest. Well, Geiger probably should have been. <laughs> Oh, if there's a watch list, Geiger should be on it. Absolutely. Oh, my God. That being said, when Geiger presented his first sketches of the egg and his first egg to Ridley Scott and the effects department, the department heads burst out laughing. Okay. Basically, it was a giant egg with a slit. Oh, dear. And it was clear to everyone that it was a vagina on an egg. Okay. Everybody got the giggles. Everyone in the room got the giggles. And everyone just laughed at it. Nobody could look at it and not laugh. So they decided to add a second slit across it, like a hot cross bun. Yay. Um, basically, that's to make it look less vagina Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back and look at like that egg, like it has clearly has lips. It does, yeah. Yes, it's a little bit Freudian. Yes. Well, it's Geiger. Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord. But I have a chainsaw boner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god! But actually, one of the biggest applauds should go to Brian Johnson, who simultaneously worked on visual special effects for both Alien and The Empire Strikes Back. 
simultaneously. You just did this thing that no one can see where it looks like you're jerking off two guys. Yeah. Well, that is that is Brian Johnson, like, jerking off two of, like, the best, like, sci-fi films ever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Give that man a cigar. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you just imagine? Oh, sorry. I'm going to go to my other job, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go back to Alien. My God. Yeah, that's fucking touched. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I don't know how he just doesn't sit back and, like, touch himself just thinking about that. <laughs> like, my God, I'm good. Oh, Lord. Um, the movie also needs to give thanks to the band The Who. What? Oh, yeah. Who, for a while, were testing out lasers for their stage show oh. on the next soundstage. And the Alien production one day borrowed... Yeah. Finger waggle. Borrowed some of their blue laser lights to create the blue layer above the eggs in the derelict spaceship. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the Who's stage... Uh, stage lighting um, but John Hurt and Veronica Cartwright almost never made it to the spaceship um, if you remember Dallas Kane and Lambert all set off from the ship and go towards the derelict and if you go back when you watch it you see there's little puffs of like something being blown out of their helmet yeah when you go back you'll see that well, basically, the suit was designed to release aeros- aerosol spray from the top of the helmet. Yeah. Okay, make it look like the carbon dioxide being pumped out. Yeah. Except there was a malfunction in both Hurt and Cartwright's helmet where the aerosol started pumping directly into the helmet. For fuck's sake. With both actors passing out. What the fuck were they spraying out? And what's what's funny is like when you go back and you watch it in the film, yeah, you can see like you're like, oh, that one's pumping, and you can see the other suit behind it. Nothing is coming out. Nothing is pumping. No, it was going straight into the into their helmets. Both both actors passed out. Um, mind you, that wasn't uncommon. Oh god! Because none of the suits had ventilation set up. Oh my. god. God. So it was about 38 degrees plus in the suits, you know, under all the studio lights. And they're British. (laughs) And the actors kept passing out. So much so that a nurse was brought to be be on stage to provide oxygen. I mean, you Um, could cut air holes in the helmets. Well, I think originally they were like, actors, they're just being dramatic. Oh, God. Now, when it moved to the next set, which was the space jockey. Yeah. Um, each, oh my God, originally 26 feet tall. Okay. Really? It was huge. But they made it look even bigger because you know what you see in the wide shots where you've got like all three of them standing around looking, okay? That's not actually, that's not them. That's not Dallas, Kane and Lambert. That's actually the very small children of Scott and cinematographer Derek Van Lint. That's amazing. They brought little kids in. (laughs) So that makes it look even bigger. Yeah. You know, like on the scale. Then one of the children passed out. fuck's sake. So it was then decided, you know what, we should cut an air hole into the suits. A good friend of mine, uh, Cam Knight, stand-up comedian, he was telling me about a TV stunt he was involved in a few years ago. Yeah. It was the world's largest. You know, you put Mentos into Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes this grabby thing. So he was on this live TV stunt where they were in a spa bath, a hot tub 
full of Diet Coke mm-hmm. and they were going to dump a 44-gallon barrel Holy shit. of Mentos into this thing. Yeah. And he's there with him like and, you know, doing live TV cross in the morning with like two bikini models uh-huh. and they dump this stuff in and it just kind of bubbles. Yeah. Like really violently. Like it doesn't go anywhere. It just bubbles. Yeah. And he reckons about 10 seconds in he starts getting real cloudy. Like what the fuck is like daisy shutting down. What they didn't realize is they've basically just created this giant carbon dioxide creating environment and nobody in that hot tub or around it can breathe. And it just, it very nearly took out a whole bunch of people on live TV. Holy shit. Was it an inside or an outside? It was out, the only thing that saved them was it was outside. Oh my God, because that's what I was thinking. Yeah, if it was inside. Can you imagine? Thanks. Yeah. How do you cross back from that? <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you just sink to the bottom of the hot Myth top. busted. <laughs> you can kill people. <laughs> With Mentos and a hot tub full of coke. Wow. Yeah. Also, I'm waiting to see that in the new James Bond movie, if that's how we're going to kill somebody. <laughs> just a whole lot of Mentos. <laughs> the death maker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the footage, though. It's, you can see them like going... Nah. Oh, my God. I want to see this footage. It's brilliant. Yeah. That's live TV. Yeah. Oh my god, I'd watch more live TV if there was a chance of that happening. Yeah, but of all the people that have been on breakfast TV, Cam Knight's not one that deserves to die. Yeah, he's sadly. a good. He's a good guy. Oh, if we could just lure Koshi into a hot tub. Yeah. Fingers crossed. One day. <laughs> one day. One day. Oh. <laughs> now this wasn't the only sort of problem that came up on filming. The first day that Sigourney shot a scene with. Jonesy the cat. Actually, there was four of them. Oh, dear. For when the cat got a bit cranky. Yeah, fair. Um, Her skin broke out in a terrible allergic rash. Sigourney was terrified that she was allergic to the cat. And she knew basically the studio would probably find it easier to replace her than replace the four cats yeah. that he had spent a year looking for to be identical. Um, so she tried to keep it quiet. <laughs> yeah. But shall we say the situation was quickly noticed. Okay. Why didn't they just get fucking black cats? Luckily, it turns out Sigourney was only allergic to the glycerin that was sprayed on her to ironically make her look anxious and sweaty. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, now, for the legendary chestburster scene. Yeah. Yes! Basically, John Hurt's head, shoulders and arms. That's all him. Yeah. Everything else. He was popped into the table. Yeah. And then that is fitted into a material mechanical torso yeah. on the table for the actual uh chest bursting okay yeah. um now it actually it's not in one take that's that's a bit of a common myth it was actually two takes because what happens on the first take is you actually see it where it couldn't get through the, the, shirt. the shirt yeah so there's that bit where it's struggling against the shirt that's it failing and there's just a little bit of blood and everyone's like oh that's a bit of a fail yeah so <laughs> put a new t-shirt on and they were like, oh, well, that didn't work. So we really, we really need to, we need to up the ampage yeah. on, you know, what's going to burst this through. So we really need to up that ampage. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing is that, of course, it's legendary. Scott hadn't told everyone. Yeah, you know, basically it was like, oh, there's going to be a little alien. Yeah. He, he didn't go into the fact that it was going to explode very graphically. Yeah. The other thing that they didn't tell everybody was that they weren't happy with any of the special effects 
that they were coming up with. Yeah. You know, to look like intestines and everything. They were like, oh, everything looks so fake. It's so clearly fake. So, Scott sent someone to the local abattoir. Oh, God. And literally came back with buckets of basically waste products. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, slaughtered cows, intestines, blood, visceral, meaty bits. So, everything that you see getting projected is something that's literally from a dead animal's. This is why I have a problem with the whole practical effects are always better, people. It's like practical effects don't give you fucking Q fever. <laughs> That's why practical effects are better. Oh, my God, you don't get that genuine kind of reaction to a tennis ball on a stick. And you're the vegan. No, cow viscera. <laughs> no, we take the intestines of people who scream, but bacon. <laughs> so, oh, so they packed that all and then... 10 times up to the compression gas behind it. Oh, God. And then it literally explodes. Oh, they've gone fast and furious nitrous button. Yeah, yeah. they've hit the nitrous faucet. It explodes. <laughs> and as we all know, Veronica Cartwright copped most of it. Yeah. Um, that scream is genuine. That That is absolute terror. So much so. Oh, my God. Um, Veronica Cartwright actually went into shock. Wow. She had to be taken away and treated for shock and couldn't actually, like, work for, like, a couple of days because she was that, like, shook up by it. Yeah. Yafet Koto... Yeah. ...walked off set, went home, locked himself in his room and refused to talk to anyone, including his wife, for several hours. Wow. I think he might have also been in shock. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I love that scene. That's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Do you really have to endanger your crew yes. and cast that much? Really? Yes, it's worth it. That's why it? it's so legendary. I got cha- I got chatting to a method actor once, mm. or someone who has studied method acting. Yeah. And I asked him what he thought about the Jim Carrey documentary about becoming Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And he just straight up went... Only wankers do that. Yeah. Like, just get to work and do your job. Yeah. You don't need to assume a character and ruin everyone's life. Yeah. And just be a cock face for yeah. like 10 fucking years. Yeah. Actors can act. You don't have to spray actual cow guts in their eyes. Well, do you though? Yeah. Do you though? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm the unionist. Yeah. 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 I, in this in this circumstance, 100% worth it. Okay. 100% worth it. Oh my God. Sheer terror. Cruelty free until you just need to get the shot. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> obviously vegan intestines. Oh, of course. <laughs> but that was the same. Like when um, when he actually does the autopsy on the face hugger. Yeah. Again, they were like, "Oh no, we can't make anything artificial. It doesn't look right." So he's actually chopping up shellfish, oysters, and sheep kidneys. Yum. And again, uh, they were pretty much like, "Okay, we can only do this shot once for a very limited amount of time because." <laughs> Basically, it was going off. Yeah, the hot lights. The it. hot lights would have cooked it on the spot. Actually, that's one of the things Sigourney talks about after the chest burster scene. Yeah, that room had a special oh. smell to it. You should, you'd still smell that scene. Vinyl seat taxi. Uh-huh. Just, uh, some nights I have to clean the cum up myself. <laughs> yep. But oh my god, the other thing is why this is the most amazing scene, and people knew it was the most amazing scene. After that scene, it's rumoured that Tom Skerrick actually 
approached the producers <laughs> and tried to make a deal and asked if he could swap his salary for percentage points of profit. Really? That's interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no room as to like uh, that they agreed to it. But yeah, yeah apparently he was like, oh yeah, this is going to make some money. Yeah. I was going to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> Again, well, I think what everyone else was having a nervous breakdown. He was just like, cha-ching-ching. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Now. The other thing is, oh my god! At the same time, there were there were some scenes that a lot of scenes that were cut out of. You know, there's always a movie. There's always scenes that are yeah. that are cut out. Um, there's the death scene of um, of uh, Brett, which gets shortened. You know, you sort of you see him. There's the chains. Ah, he's grabbed and he's gone. Yep. Uh, that was reduced down. Now, another thing that was cut down dramatically was the death of Lambert. Okay. Okay. Now, this is actually one of the most, like, talked about scenes in the film, where obviously Parker and Lambert are killed by the alien. Yeah. You know, he's got the flame flower, but it's the, the xenomorph is between him and Lambert, and he's yelling at her to get out of the way, and she's just frozen in fear. He tries to save her, backhanded, yeah. you know, by the alien. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So, basically, by this stage, this was one of the last scenes shot for that, and they were out of money. And they oh. were out of time. And they were like, holy shit. Like, we've got limited time. What could we do? Yeah. And originally, oh, my God, there were so many ways that they suggested that Lambert could die. Uh, one way was that, excuse me, she would. She was so terrified, she would just crawl, crawl away, get in a locker and die of fright. <laughs> <laughs> they decided, oh, that. That's not very. That's not very no. appealing. Um, oh my god! But what is one of the uh, the theory that they were, the death they wanted to go with was basically you know there would be a fight, there would be a struggle, something would be launched, uh, a some acid would get into the hull, and it would create just a very tiny like ten cent piece hole in yeah. the ship, and Lambert would be sucked out. Oh, because that would spaghetti you. Yeah, or blown out, technically. Blown out into space through this tiny little hole. Yeah. But obviously, they didn't have the money for it, so it was never used. But that's where they came up with that bullshit at the end of Alien Resurrection. You know, where the poor little critter gets sucked? Never sat through it. Oh, my God. It's so awful. It ends with this, like, little alien critter, which thinks Ripley is its mum. And while it's like... Its brain gets sucked out like millimeter by millimeter, just like the audiences did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's the most horrible thing. Oh, you, you, and you just you feel so bad for it. You were just like, oh my god. Well, anyway, that's originally how they wanted her to graphically die, right? But they didn't have the budget, so they um, they did the whole oh shit. You know what? We'll cut away. We'll just hear some screaming, and then we'll come back. Bam, she's dead. Yeah. Because basically they got to the they got to the end of the shoot. They're like, oh, we don't know what to do. We don't have the time or the money to do anything. Now that's where this the weird sex perverts come into oh, it. God, because people have there are these weirdos where you because the the tail comes between her legs. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, it's a sex thing. It's a sex thing. It's gonna do, yeah. you know, Ugh. things to her. Uh, yeah, calm down, you freaky losers. You know whose legs that tail goes between? 
It's going between Harry Dean Stanton's. Oh, dear. Because in the full version of his death, the tail actually goes between his legs and then comes up and it stabs him in the spine. Fair. And lifts it up with the tail because that's part of what they do. Yeah. Like a, you know, like a tiger. They go for the back of the neck. Yeah. So that's not even her legs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's not trying to get weird. Which, of course, he had to go and fucking retcon in Alien Covenant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, that's a piece of shit. But even worse than that, <laughs> and there is, it, it's now, it's quite infamous. There was a scene cut from, because obviously Ridley Scott decided he didn't want the alien just walking over to Lambert. Because he's like, well, you're going to see it's a man in a suit. We yeah. can't just have an alien walking. Like, but then how do we get the alien over to Lambert? Would you like to see how Ridley Scott solved this crisis? Uh, yes, please. All right. And I'm gonna, I don't have the footage, so I'm going to have to do it. All right. Oh, God, I'm okay. going to recreate it. Okay. So I want you to be Lambert. Okay. I want you to be hysterical. Can I film this <laughs> on my phone? I don't think the world is ready for it. Are you sure? sure? Oh, my God. Okay. No, I'm going to have to go out the room and I will come in how the alien comes into the room to get Lambert. Okay. All right? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm a method actor. All right. All right. Tell me, tell me when you're ready. Oh, oh shit. Nearly ready. All right. Tell me when you're ready. Go. Jesus Christ. Hey, baby. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, God. You look like a white person trying to break dance. No. Oh, God. So that was like the worst version of the Exorcist stair crawl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just realised how out of shape my arms are. Yeah, the he basically did the backward crab walk Fuck to her because he thought that would be more scary. <laughs> the, I can't remember. Did that make the movie? It did not make the movie. Thank God. <laughs> because if you go back and you watch the movie where you see the alien is sort of, you know, coming up, in, yeah. like standing up in front of Lambert, that's literally because it's just crab walked over to her. <laughs> Why, and Ver- Veronica Cartwright should have got an Oscar that she could still be frightened. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, he, was, he was a lot quicker. He yeah. Was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, they decided not to put that in the film. Thank God. Oh, my God. So, basically, we got to this part of the movie. They were out of money. Yeah. Nothing. Done. Bam. But, of course, we haven't done the uh, uh, escape onto the shuttle. No. You know, that whole thing. Judy was like, nah, we got it, we're fine, it's done, wrap it up, that's the end. She gets to the space shuttle, woo, okay. it's over. Yeah. Scott was like, no, we need, you know, what is now, you know, the second ending. Yeah. We need that second ending. And the studio's like, well, oh, do we though? Yeah. Do we though? You've run out of money, you've got no money. So Scott had a meeting with the production, with the studio, going, no, we need more money. We need to film the end of this. Yeah. Uh, apparently, oh my God, Ridley Scott got so angry while he was yelling at the producers, he slammed his finger onto the table, you know, to be like, bah, like he was making a point, broke his own finger. <laughs> <laughs> he put it 
down so hard he literally broke his own finger. Wow. Um, so they were like, you know what? We'll give you an extra week. Just get the fuck out of our studio. <laughs> you finger breaking weirdo. <laughs> yeah. So they agreed to give to fund seven more days of shooting. Um, on the escape shuttle. Yep. Oh, now the other thing is, oh my God, we have to give a shout out to the little alien. He was not having fun on set. He spent like a lot of time on set. Yeah. Okay. They actually had to construct a special harness for him for meal oh. and toilet breaks. Oh. <laughs> because of the design of the suit and where the tail was, he couldn't actually sit down. Oh God. <laughs> So a harness was created that they could just pop him into that he could have a little bit of a rest. (laughs) Because obviously it took hours to get him in. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) they'd be like, (laughs) bring me my little harness. Oh, God. And they just prop him in. And then he would just hang there. (laughs) What a shitty time. (laughs) Oh, my God. And they're like, people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe he never made another movie after this. Well, (laughs) he's really surprised. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I would not be like, I'm becoming an actor. No. Oh, my God. So, you know, they, they do the scene in the shuttle. Now, originally, uh, if you remember, you know, Zagorny goes to turn something on and the alien hand yeah. pops out. What they did was <laughs> because they really wanted to hide him in there to make it scary. Yeah. Basically, they popped him in the hole. <laughs> wheeled him over in his harness, popped him in the hole. And then basically built the set around him. Yeah. And we're like... Yeah, you can climb out. Several times the suit ripped. Oh, God. And once, tail popped off because it just got caught. Oh, man. So they kept reshooting it and eventually that's where you've got that footage of like where it kind of just plops out. (laughs) He's like, ah. Can you imagine you're like, we only have seven days. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, so obviously, we, you know, we've got the scene. The alien comes out. Sigourney is in her undies. She's yeah. spent uh, the world's tiniest undies. Those undies are ridiculous. They are. Although, actually, you know what? It's really good. Those tiny underpants actually defined a man. James Cameron watched that film. Oh. And was so outraged by the fact that after all this, they were forcing Sigourney to wear like a shoestring panties and just capitalize on her sexuality. Yeah. He made the decision to never put a female actress in that position. Ah. And you're like, damn right. That's why everyone's wearing those gray, awful bogs in Aliens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, goddamn. Because it's all like, we don't need to see your ass crack. You might not. Ah. Uh... I'm sorry. Just Ripley is my is my heroine. Don't you look at my heroine in that Oh, way. but you know she'll be she can pass out on set and be covered in potentially lethal <laughs> viscera. <laughs> but so as long as you don't get to see her fucking yes, yes. <laughs> now I I told you I was actually watching the um, director's commentary um, of the film Alien, yeah. and it's just Ridley Scott. So it's just him in the room. Yeah. When he I think he really it could have benefited by somebody else just sitting around just like shh. Shh, Ridley. Yeah. But we know he's a control freak. Shh. When it comes to this scene and we're talking about the, cre- you know, the creature coming out in the escape casual, uh, you know, and Ripley hiding in terror, you know, running around in her undies. Um, Ridley goes on to talk about how he believes there is a sexuality about this scene. Oh, God. Um, and he's like, oh, or am I the only one? Literally. Oh. Only you. You're the only one, dude. Only you. 
you. Oh my god. Because of course he actually wanted sex in this movie. He originally, of course, he wanted to have a scene where, you know, in between, oh my god, there's an alien chestburger. Ah, oh, we're terrified. Ah, oh, we're all gonna die. He wanted Ripley and Dallas to get it on. Of course they would have. He even went so far as he made the uh, props department make up a specially constructed chair. Oh, my God. That they could do it on. No. And his in his design, the alien was going to be watching them from the shadows. Oh, God. Why? Yeah. Six at home. And wouldn't attack them. Just stand there. Yeah. Oh. He too observing the sexuality. Or is it just me? It's just hot. Oh. Either way, the hull's getting a hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, the alien would run off and would like eat Lambert and Parker. But yeah. Um, anyway. So, <laughs> you know, actually it was the actors who were like, do we really need this yeah. sex? Anyway, so they decided not to do it. What is it with old school Hollywood directors? Oh, wait for it. He had a very, very much different vision of the last scene, okay? Right. Because obviously, as we know, Sigourney goes, you know, gets in the spacesuit, blows it out of the airlock. In Scott's original design, the alien would appear, so would something else. No. His little, his little Zeno. Oh, no. Because he would, he would grab a hold of Ripley by the head and then would just be like, in his words, just checking out her body and noticing the differences between her body and his body. Oh, God. Savouring the sexuality and the vulnerability. That's fucked. Getting a little squeeze in. Before he crushed her head and killed her. I'm glad they cut that. (laughs) This was one of the things where, because often we talk about damn studios just taking away. Yeah, that was suggested and the studio was like, yeah, no, you're shutting that shit down. Yeah. There will be no weird alien boner in this film. Yeah. New. Yeah. Imagine New. imagine just turning up one day and just going, has anyone here heard of hentai? <laughs> Can you imagine being the poor prop guy who had to make that? Oh. Oh, my God. And Not they, even Gug is there going, nine. <laughs> too far, too far. Oh, my God. You'd have to, like, even get, like, a little harness for he when he's in the harness. Oh. So he's a little Zeno. And would it come out and then a little <laughs> and then a little one would come out of it as well? Maybe if he's been to some of the less reputable spaceports. <laughs> get that scene to you, son. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. The- <laughs> it burns when I pee or when I bleed. <laughs> It's both the same. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the studio decided to shut that shit down. Good. Thank Jesus. Like, seriously, I never knew how much of a, like, a sex pervert Ridley Scott was. But, yeah, but then you see it in later life, you know, with, <laughs> with Fassbender playing flute to himself. <laughs> While he fingers himself. Yeah, yeah like, what the what? hell is going yes. on? Yeah, everyone was looking at Geiger. Yeah, they didn't know Geiger got his inspiration from having a chat with Ridley Scott. <laughs> I will draw a boner on this monster. Why? Well, that, that guy wants it. Nobody wants to see Monster Boner. I'm just saying it now. And if you do, there's perfectly good hentai out there. No, I was going to say there's perfectly good therapists out there yeah. who you should you should see. Um, can you imagine if that that like it would not be the cult classic it is today if there was weird alien boner? No, and you can watch the Star Wars money disappear <laughs> at that point. 
Oh, no. Uh, So the film basically was filmed over 14 weeks from July to October 1978 at Shepparton Studios, England. However, editing and post-production would take 20 weeks. Yeah, fair. Part of this was the continual editing. The first cut shown to executives was rejected immediately for being too bloody. Yep. As was the second. (laughs) As was the third. (laughs) But then, even by the time it was edited and edited again... Are you showing me alien porn? Yeah, there's xenomorph porn. Die! Yeah, and it's, it's gruesome. Is it all commissioned by Ridley Scott? Probably. Yeah. Nobody needs to see that. Like... Just, oh. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but they keep talking about you know all these images are blasted into space and alien life forms will see it. That's the only reason they haven't come here. Oh, what do they want to fuck us for? They, yeah, they want us to do what to them? No, no. Oh my god! So even by the time it was edited and edited and edited and edited again, let's just say test audiences were still reacting badly to the amount of gore. So again, fearing an X rating. It was a, the gore was again reduced. Can you imagine if there was the boner? <laughs> yeah. If they were offended by a little bit of cow's blood exploding <laughs> in Veronica's face, wait till an alien yeah. exploded in her face. Oh my god! So when released, the film still had an R rating in the UK, America, and New Zealand. Yeah. Except in Australia, we gave it an M rating. Yay! We ate wussies. <laughs> the audience not re- enough alien dong. <laughs> yeah, we like we draw the line at Alien Dong. Oh my god! Can, oh my god! Yeah, it would have been X-rated with yeah, Alien Dong. It would have been, but just uh, uh, oh my god! At the movie premiere, uh, crazed Christians set fire to a display model of the Xenomorph, claiming it was a devil. Of course, they did. <laughs> can Can you imagine if it had a boner? <laughs> Apparently, the wife of the 20th century president refused to leave her house for a day after the watching the film as she was in shock. <laughs> people in front rows demanded to be moved further away from the screen. And people fainted in cinemas all across the country. Wait for it. A cinema owner in Texas grew so sick of the amount of people throwing up in the bathrooms after the <laughs> chestburster scene. And in the, in the film... Uh, like in the studio, that he simply cut the entire chest burster scene from the film. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, audiences were like, well, hang on, like they would just see John Hurt wake up, and then the next shot, he was being blown into space dead. And they were like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, now, when released internationally, it was given some alternative names, you know, the translations. Of course it did. Yeah. Um, in Argentina, it translated as Alien, the Eighth Passenger. In West Germany, it was the uncanny creature from a strange world. So much for German efficiency. In Hungarian, the Eighth Passenger is the death. That's kind of cool. <laughs> that is kind of That is cool. kind of cool. Oh, my God. Alien would also become the first movie with an R rating to have a tie-in of children's toys aimed at children who weren't able to legally watch the movie for another decade. That's amazing. 
Kenner released a special 18-inch sized Xenomorph for Christmas. Due to complaints from parents, the toy was pulled from shelves. Oh, motherfuckers. If you can still manage to find one of them, it's worth a fortune. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, The film would go on to win the Oscar for Best Visual Effects. Awesome. Awesome as you were going to think because okay, fine. Alien was a huge commercial success. Um, although the studio wasn't fully behind it in the beginning, it was only released to about 90 cinemas at first yeah. across America, which is nothing. Which is nothing, nothing, yeah. But it still managed to make over three and a half million days over the Memorial Day long weekend. So, three and a half million over the Memorial long weekend, yeah. That's in 90 cinemas, that's pretty good, yeah. Uh, with Daily Variety calling it the biggest per-screen opening in movie history. Wow. In the UK, the Odeon... Um, Odeon? Odeon? Odeon. Odeon. The Odeon Theatre grossed over $126,000 in alien ticket sales in four days. Wow. But nearly one year later, 20th Century Fox claimed that Alien had, in fact, not made any money. <laughs> And that the studio was in the hole for $2 million in what is now seen as some of the most outrageous Hollywood accounting ever seen. But why Why would the studio lie about the profitability of its film? Maybe because its cast wanted a slice of the profit? Oh, no, he, he, didn't, he didn't end up getting the profit. Okay, no. yeah. However, Fox did have to share the profits with Brandywine. Because they were the ones who bought the original rights to the film. Motherfuckers. By 1980, Fox gave in and said, fine, the film has made $4 million in profit. That's it. $4 million. That's it. You 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 can have a little taste of the $4 million. Brandywine was having nothing of that $4 million. And they were forced to sue 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox poured out their lawyers and were like, nah, man, four million, four million. That's it, that's it. Yeah. Saying the film was not a financial success at all. That wasn't until they realised if they wanted to cash in on the sequel, they realised they needed the rights. <laughs> they needed Brandywine. <laughs> Fox came to an agreement with Brandywine in 1983 So basically, it's taken them four years to get a taste of their money. Yeah. Fox then miraculously decided, oh, what do you know? (laughs) We should make a sequel. (sighs) By 1992, the original Alien film had grossed over $143 million with box office ticket sales alone. Fuck. Yeah. In 2002, the Library of Congress deemed Alien to be, quote, culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant, and it has been selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. That's amazing. Yeah. You know why? No alien dick. That's, yeah. You're not getting into a national library with alien dick. You gotta wonder what it was like, because he went straight from that to Blade Runner going, Can he fuck the owl? No. <laughs> <laughs> what if when he finds like the snake scales, the snake scales are on his wing? 
pretty sure they came close. <laughs> oh, somebody did. Well, yeah, so that is the rather sordid, turgid history of Alien, the film. And the film, it almost was. That's amazing. Thank God it wasn't. Thank God. Oh, my Lord. You know, and as your son enters the room, I'm going to stop talking about Alien. Wang. <laughs> Wang. Oh. <laughs> it's an atrocity. Against every man, every woman, every child. Oh, alien wang. We've oh. kept you bored for far too long, haven't we, mate? Yeah. Uh, yeah, someone's broken. And uh, yeah, so as the child enters the room, just remember that real doodads do that doodad that you like. And make sure that you put out your clean washing for freedom. Woo! <laughs> Jesus is my hero. 